ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 322nd episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to title this episode a primer on the Calvin Ridley gambling saga. But before we move on, we're going to uh, introduce to you Gabe Burns of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution will be helping with the Falcons coverage from time to time. And he was up at he was up at the scouting combine with us. So say hello to our listeners, Gabe. Hey, everybody. D-Led, thanks for having me on, man. I'm looking forward to, uh, to talking some draft and Falcons with you. Yeah, I am looking forward to it also, Gabe. Had a great week with you at the combine. Hope you all got to see all our coverage. Uh, Gabe was doing his thing up there covering the National Football League. Oh, our five topics today, we're going to do Calvin Ridley situation, winner and losers from the combine, depth at wide receiver. Gabe's going to guide us through there. Then we're going to do some free agency valuations. We have some numbers on where the Falcons are, are projected to go. And then lastly, we'll look at the salary cap on how they're going to get the money. But, hey, let's start off with Calvin Ridley, suspended for a year by the National Football League for gambling on games. According to um, various sources, our guy John Jones at CBS Sports said it was a three-part parlay down in Florida. The the Genius app activated, and he was out of Georgia, out of state, gambling on a team, and that's how the system's supposed to work. And he was flagged by the league. Now, um... He admitted in a tweet that he bet $1,500, but now $11 million is in jeopardy. That was his salary. The team had already stated that they were going to take that on this year. But our four takeaways right away, number one, that that put the Falcons under the cap. They're now $4 million under the cap. Uh, They're going to need a whole lot more money to get some things done. But, yeah, they're under the cap now before the league business year starts on March the 16th. Now, the outlook for 222 doesn't change much because um, teams that were already looking, uh, uh, it doesn't change much because he hasn't played. He didn't play much. They didn't have a number one. Uh, The team was already kind of depleted. So you you really didn't have, um, you know, a, a forecast for them with him in the lineup. So, doesn't change much. Third item, hey, the team uh, was already looking at wide receivers. You know, they were down at the Senior Bowl all over the receivers, and uh, they also did that at the scouting combine. And the last thing here is that, hey, $1,500 blew $11.1 million. Where's the justice there? Uh, but, you know, they know the rules. Gambling on the game is not allowed per the CBA agreement between the NFL and the NFLPA. So when he put that bet out there, the possibility of losing his uh, contract or at least deferring it 
because the way it's set up, it'll toll for this season. And then uh, theoretically, he can come back in 2023 uh, at $11.1 million, which, you know, makes him tradable at that point, too, if he can make it back after um, the, uh, the, the suspension is indefinite. But he has a right to appeal for return on February the 15th of 2023 so if he can make it back and at that number he would probably be tradable or they can go right with him for a year and see if they can patch things up and reconnect that bridge but I, I think that might be too far down the road for us to speculate on that so given everything we've heard in the last 24 hours it broke around three o'clock yesterday Gabe what are your thoughts on Calvin's situation? Yeah, big picture. I mean, this is a historic thing uh, to have a player suspended. And obviously they came down hard because they want to set a precedent with this. Uh, certainly he's not hes not the only guy who's done this. Um, some guys have covered their tracks better, I'm sure. But, I mean, this is a really big deal as far as just something happening in the history of the league. Uh, it's kind of a secondary story now with the Rodgers and Wilson news and then for the Falcons' point of view, I mean, you nailed it. The team needs multiple receivers anyway. Ridley was not going to be part of the team next year. Uh, so all this does, though, is it does hurt them in that, you know, they were going to get probably a two or a three uh, in that range for him. So now they have, you know, less of an – they don't have the extra asset to work with, and we'll see what happens in a year. But his trade value isn't going to be very high, and it seems like the bridge might be burned. So – from that point of view, I mean, they lose out on a pick that obviously they could really need, but uh, they're, I mean, this might be the worst, probably is the worst receiver room in the NFL right now, so they were going to need to add multiple guys regardless. Yeah, and we're going to look at that later. Uh, you know, 11.1, they can cut him and, and take the dead cap hit. I was looking at numbers today. They got a dead cap hit of $20 million this year because they're taking a $15 million hit on Julio and uh, took a $4.6 million hit on uh dante fowler so that makes up you know roughly 98 96 percent of their dead money is uh tied in with fowler and uh julio so when you make mistakes big on big guys you know this wasn't quite the second year contract or, or second contract so uh you know 11.1 you can deal with that as the caps projected to go up now, uh, on to the Combine. I want to look at some of the winners and losers from the Combine. A lot of Georgia guys were up there. There's 14 of them. And, uh, the, you know, the talk of the Combine was Jordan Davis, the big guy from uh, UGA who ran the 4.7840-yard um, dash. Uh, so Jordan Davis was one of the big winners for the Combine. And also... Uh, you know, just looking at it from uh, our story today, Devontae Wyatt, he ran a 4.77. Uh, David Jabo from Michigan, he also impressed the scouts up there. Uh, he's a guy with a high ceiling, didn't play a lot of football, uh, international kid. Uh, so a lot of teams were uh, impressed with him. Now, the quarterback group was sketchy coming in. You know, it was a big deal about Kenny Pickett's hands. We put him in the loser group because his hands were 8.5 inches. We looked up the, uh, the the measurable, and they want you to be 9.5 to to drive the ball through the weather uh, up north. You know, that's, that's what this whole hand size thing is about. Uh, and he measured a little short on that. 
But, uh, you know, they got to look at the tape and decide if that's going to be a problem for him. So, But the other quarterbacks, Desmond Ritter of Cincinnati and uh, Malik Willis of Liberty, they both had good showings. Uh, Willis didn't do all of his drills. He just threw the ball and looked amazing throwing uh, some deep passes there. And Ritter moved around well, which he was an athlete. People knew he could move. But, you know, his issue was accuracy. He had a 4.5240 and a 36-inch vertical. So, you know, the big winners, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, uh, David Ajabu from Michigan, Desmond Ritter, and Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, two quarterbacks in there. Now, some of the losers, uh, Notre Dame, I got uh, a message from one of my, our Notre Dame readers, uh, Dr. Joe, and he said, well, hey, you know, this kid played much faster than 465, and what do they do about measuring their intangibles and, uh, you know, so forth and so on. So he did not run. You can't be a five foot nine hundred ninety four pound uh, four six running back. I don't know how that works. So uh, that was a bad run up there. Maybe he'll run a little faster at Notre Dame's pro day. And we mentioned Kenny Pickett. Uh, one guy that uh, Gabe spent some time with at the Combine, Damian Pierce, right in front of his uh, podium stand from Bainbridge High, the Florida uh, running back. He ran a 4.59. So it's 4.62 is kind of the cutoff for backs, you know, according to uh, Gil Brandt's old chart. So he's right underneath that, but uh, it doesn't project that, uh, you know, that's a good time. For Damian Pierce. And then another guy that turned a lot of heads. He had, he had did a good job at the senior bowl. Mayan Sanders. The 6'5 and a quarter. Uh, defensive end from Cincinnati and Camden County. Originally a Jacksonville kid. But came up to play in Georgia. 228 pounds. He played at 258 last year. He was at 240 something at uh the senior bowl, he dropped like 14 pounds since the senior bowl. So what happened is these agents get in guys' ears and they're like, hey, if you lose some weight, you'll go faster, you'll jump higher, you'll, you know, your numbers will be exponentially better. And so this kid took that to heart, but still only ran a four, six, seven. But I mean, you can't play six foot five at 228 in the NFL at, at defensive end. They're just gonna drive you down the field. So now they have a red flag on them. They got to uh, put some weight on the young man. And, uh, you know, uh, he, he's probably heard his draft stock up there at the uh, Combine. And then, I, you know, we had 38 locals up there at the Combine, you know, 14 from Georgia. And so I'm not going to go through the whole list of uh, what people did here, but Pickens helped himself, 447. George Pickens, the wide receiver from Georgia. Um, the guy I came, came away most impressed with was Jelani Woods, the six foot seven tight end from Virginia. Uh, you know, he, he, uh, he wanted to show he could catch the ball because he was an inline blocker for Oklahoma State, so he went to Virginia where he could uh, get some passes and so forth as a grad uh, senior, and, and that happened for him. Zamir uh, White from Georgia ran a 4-4. Knees are still a, be a question for NFL teams. James Cook weighed a little bit bigger than I thought. Y'all have heard me talking about him for the last couple weeks, but he weighed in at 199. And so, um, you know, and he ran a 4-4-2. So he, he did good. Uh, Tyler Goodson and Norfolk Gornett back from 
Iowa, he had a 4-4-2 also. So, you know, the running backs were moving pretty good for the most part. Another guy jumped off the screen was uh, Channing Tyndale. He's the guy, you know, he didn't start at Georgia, but he played a lot. He ran a 4-4-7, which the third best in this group. Had a 42-inch vertical and a 10-9 broad jump up there. So somebody's, uh, they're going to like those numbers, you know, as we move forward. We're going to be going to some of the pro days, and I know Gabe's going over to Auburn. I want to, I'll be interested to see how Zacoby McClain does over there. He had a, some decent numbers at the combine. The linebacker from Valdosta, uh, 469 in the 49.9 in the vertical and 33 inch um, uh, vertical, 33 inch vertical, 99 in the broad jump. So, and then some of the other guys did good. Smoke Monday from Carver, Wanye Thomas from Georgia Tech, of course, Kyle Hamilton, uh, Yusef Coker from Woodland, uh, and Nicobe Dean. Nicobe didn't do anything. And he's going to do it all at Georgia's Pro Day. He measured 5'11", 229. So um, I was talking to one of the executives, uh, and it's like, hey, uh, you know, were your guys like him at, at this size? And they said, well, hey, if he's that size, he has to be able to cover running backs and tight ends. And he can do one of those things. So he can cover running backs. So it's going to be, you know, was he a two-down guy? You know, somebody's got to figure out how they're going to use um, N'Kobe Dean as a football player. So those are um, my winners and losers from the combine. And Gabe was up there. He came in and uh, spent the uh, week up in Indianapolis with us. And uh, we're going to let him share some of his impressions from his first combine. Yeah, I mean, you touched on the Georgia guys, but – uh, really, the University of Georgia was the big winner. All of those guys, I mean, they, they tested extremely well. The speed and that you saw on tape was real. Uh, Jordan Davis, obviously he blew people away, but at the same time, I mean, he was essentially a pass rushing zero at Georgia. So despite the traits, I mean, I'm, I'm really curious to see kind of how teams view him and where he ends up going. Uh, I think Devontae Wyatt offers a little more. You know, as a pass rusher, uh, he tested really well, too. He just got overshadowed by Jordan, of course. But uh, both of those guys around one players. I can't see either of them getting past, the you know, that late 20 range. Uh, Lewis Seen is a guy that uh, a lot of people seem to like, hard-hitting safety. I mean, there, I mean, there's just so many. I mean, obviously 14, but uh, Quay Walker, uh, he's even been in the first round in some mocks. Channing Tindall, I mean, there's just so many of these guys. And Walker, I mean, he has a case as – you know, no one's going to put him above, you know, the top two edge rushers. But, he, I mean, he's got a case to be right there. Uh, and Jermaine Johnson, who had a great combine, uh, he's a Georgia transfer because he couldn't get playing time there. So, you really look at it, uh, this was Georgia's combine. Uh, this was one of the best defenses that we've ever seen, and it, it showed up there. Yeah, no no doubt. No, no doubt, Gabe. Uh, the other note on Georgia – well, I'm asking everybody about the guys that are there. They said, hey, well, the best guy isn't here. He's Jalen Carter. <laughs> they they, yeah. they want to know about him. And uh, yeah. and, and Jalen, uh, I don't know what year he is. What is he's got one more year. He probably can declare early. Uh, but, yeah, that was the name that I came back with. I was like, hey, go back and look up some Jalen Carter because uh, everybody wanted to talk about him in addition to the guys who turned it out at the combine. So, uh, good points there. Th certainly appreciate that uh, from you. 
escape. Uh, now I'm going back to Ridley. You know, of course, uh, we like to keep track of our offseason depth chart. And uh, with Ridley gone and not available in 2022, the Falcons only have three receivers on, on uh, under contract. Chad Henson, a uh, fourth-round pick by the New York Jets in 2017. Frank Darby, who they drafted last year. And then Austin Tram on undrafted free agent they've been uh, developing. So, uh, you know, I think Austin Trammell's going to be on my uh, five players to watch at OTAs. So, uh, but we're going to, they're going to get some receivers in here. But let me just go through these three guys real quick. Darby, uh, four targets, one catch last year, 14 yards, mostly special teams. Henson is 27 years old and, um, you know, he's been with the Jets and the Titans. He's played in 20 games. Made three starts, 26 of 41 catches on targets, 330, uh, 330 yards, and a touchdown. Trammo, he played at Rice. He played in two games last year, seven plays on special teams. Didn't have a reception. So that's your Falcons wide receiver core as we stand right here today. Of course, um, Christian Blake, Alameda Zacchaeus, and Russell Gage are set to be free agents. But one of the uh, deals uh, Gabe did at the Combine was he did a story on Drake London. Uh, Gabe, tell us about Drake and some of the other top receivers in the draft. Yeah, I mean, Drake has really everything you want, you know, size-wise. Um, he's great at making contested catches. He had an ankle injury, which is why it ended his season early, and that's why he didn't run. He's going to run at his own pro day uh, in early April at USC. Uh, a lot of people have him as the top receiver in the draft. I know, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, I think, had him as his number 13 overall player. Uh, there's questions about his separation ability. He gets comp to Mike Evans a lot, but Mike Evans ran a 4-5-3. Uh, this guy's not going to run that. So when you're looking at it from that way, I mean, it's one of those things where you can praise the contested catches, but people also criticize it because, you know, can this guy separate? So he's going to be really interesting to see, you know, where he falls in this mix. Everyone loves the two Ohio State kids, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Uh, both of them are pretty refined. They're good route runners. Uh, so both of them are going to go high. Uh, Traylon Burks is probably my favorite. He's another guy. He can, he's going to make a lot of plays after the catch, too. Uh, and Jamison Williams, who probably would have been the first guy taken had he not torn his ACL in the national championship. And you see all the, how fast all these receivers were running, and he was a guy that we thought was probably the fastest receiver in the country this last year, and he was doing it in the SEC. So there's a good five or six guys. and I mean, even Christian Watson, the kid at North Dakota State, uh, he could be kind of a sleeper to sneak into round one. He ran a 4-3-6, good size. So, there's just, again, there's a handful of receivers. I mean, there is every year now. Uh, but this is a this is another strong group. I don't know that I love any of these guys uh, in the top ten, especially given the Falcons' needs everywhere. Uh, so if you trade down, uh, maybe you can grab one of these guys in, in you know in the later teens, and I'd feel a lot better about it then. But certainly, you know, I mean, obviously they need receivers really badly, and there's several guys. It has really whatever flavor you want. If you want size, speed, route running, anything, this draft has all of it but I'm not sure I'd be inclined to spend the eighth overall pick on one of them. Then uh, one of the other things we've heard from the Falcons is they want yakkers, guys that can get yards after the catch. And that's the big thing with CP here and uh, Debo Samuel. 
any of these guys uh, remind you of a young Debo coming out of South Carolina, Gabe? Well, I think you could see several of them used that way. I, I think that Burks is going to be a guy who's going to make he, – he definitely would fit the mold. Again, he's my favorite guy of this group as far as making plays after the catch. I think that he's really dynamic. Uh, you know, a lot of people like David Bell at Purdue. He was slow. He didn't run well, so that's going to hurt his stock. I mean, he might fall to – I mean, he could fall to the third round now, and I think that – you know, you could get some value there. Because some of these guys, I mean, you just see them play. You watch them. They don't test well, but when they're out there, uh, you know what you're going to get. So, again, there's – Olave is – I mean, he's just – he kind of is what he is. You kind of know what you're going to get out of him. Um, I'd expect him probably more later in the first round. But, again, I love Williams. Uh, if there's a way that they could have got Jamison Williams, but just kind of given, you know, the injury and where he's going to fall, I just I, I kind he's not going to make it to their second round pick, and you're not going to take him at eights. And, and quite frankly, I, I just I have a hard time seeing them trading down in the teens and taking a guy off a torn ACL. So I'm not sure he's going to be an option. But um, wherever he ends up, I think he's going to be once he's healthy, he's going to be a real impact player immediately. Yeah, and Watson, Christian Watson, North Dakota State, uh, his dad is uh, Tim Watson, the former Green Bay Packer draft pick from uh, Macon, who uh, played at Howard University, and he's married to Miss Christina. Uh, but um, So he has a tie. He didn't show up on our locals list because uh, they grew up in Tampa. But, yeah, he's got ties to Georgia, too, so he's a kid to keep an eye on. Along with uh, Yusef Coker from Woodlands, uh, He's, uh, he's related. His uh, dad is Leland Reagan, who worked in the media down in, uh, down in the Macon area, too. So a couple, couple local ties here. So while the Falcons are, you know, where they're down in the receiver groups, they may not have a lot of receivers, but they do have a tight end. Yeah, just like, just like a, a, our whole rookie class and a lot of young players, it's important this offseason for them to, to work and come back um, in a better situation. But he did some really good things this year, and, and we're excited about him in the future. All right, that was Terry Fontenot on Kyle Pitts. You know, that's the Falcons' weapon that they do have. So they got a lot to do in the draft and free agency, but they don't have to worry about tight end. So with that here, we're about halfway home. We're going to toss to a break from the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we're back from the from the break here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. We, um, free agencies around the corner. It's March the 8th. We got eight days before uh, the new league year starts. So we got to cover a lot of ground here uh, with a lot of players. We uh, checked in with Coach Smith, and we want to know where they are at in evaluating their own free agents. We have a plan, D-Led. We feel good about where our, you know, where we're at with all those guys, and you know we can control 
what we can control. But if somebody certainly is going to go to free agency, whether we have an offer out for them now or not, I mean, that's their prerogative. And that's what the, the rules set up for, right? I mean, that's what guys fought for, and they go to free agency, and then there's certainly the, the market could dictate where they could be out of your price range. Yeah, and their biggest free agent is Corderell Patterson. Will they be able to bring him back? Well, number one, when um, the first thing we have to do is create a little cap space, and and then number one is is our players, and and we have a lot of players. I won't talk specifically about uh, CP, but we have a lot of players that that we want to resign, and and that's important. Now, it's important for us to you're never a player away, so we have to look at each specific player, evaluate the player, and look at the parameters of the types of contract that we can sign and what makes sense for us. And we have to stay disciplined with that because we're not trying to sign one player. We're trying to build a team. So we have to make sure we assess the value and stay within our parameters with every player. And on the other side of it, it's important for players to assess their market value along with their agents and their families and find the best situation for them because they have a small amount of time to make as much money as they can. And so we respect going through that process of the business. So with that, there are going to be some players that we're going to be able to resign. Some players are going to move on, and, and we understand that. But talking sp- specifically about CP, that's an example of what we have to do this year in free agency. That was a situation where it was a month into free agency when we signed CP. He wasn't getting the offers he wanted, and, and again, a month into it, we, we signed him. We had a clear vision for him. It says a lot about him, the success that he had, because he's a great man. He's a great player. He added on and off the field. And it says a lot about our coaching staff and that they were able to find what he does well. And, and he had the most productive season of his career as an offensive player. So that shows the way we were able to find value in that. And, and I believe it, it really shows the league that this is an attractive place to be. There he is. That was general manager Terry Fontenot discussing uh, Corderell Patterson uh, and where they're going to get the money. So we got a two-step approach here uh, over the last part of the uh, podcast. First step is to value, put a valuation on the the top free agents. And we got some help from uh, our folks over at SpotRack and uh, Pro Football Focus. The one takeaway, though, from the combine, I keep, you know, coming back to this, is they're saying, hey, we're trying to build a championship roster. Okay, they got 27 players under contract, 27 vets, 27 futures guys. They got draft picks, and they got 24 free agents. They're not signing all of them back. So uh, let's focus on the top of the group. And Corderell Patterson's at the top. Our folks at SpotRack put a two-year, $18 million valuation on him. They did their whole thing and uh, compared him to David Johnson, Carlos Hyde, Randall Cobb, and Jakeem Grant, two wide receivers and two running backs. Makes sense to us. Uh, those deals averaged two years, $1.8 and $9.7 million. So they factored in the production and the age and came up with their two years, uh, $18.1 million number for, for Corderell Patterson. That seems a little high for me. I'm thinking two years, $6 million, uh, will get it done. His best contract has been two years, $10 million with the Bears, uh, and everything from there has been, you know, one year make good deals, one year make good deals. He was a, a one-year $3 million guy last year, certainly due for a raise. Uh, PFF has his contract at two years, $12 million, which I think is uh, 
closer to his market value and with 8.25 million guaranteed. So uh, that's the number one priority. Then Fourier Ulikan is the 57th ranked free agent by PFF. And they are projecting he gets a four-year, $40 million deal with $22.5 million guaranteed. They, uh, the, the, the linebacker market got pushed up by Fred Warner and Darius Leonard last year going up $20 million a year. So $10 million a year, that's, that, sounds, that sounds very reasonable. It also sounds very far out of the Falcons' range. So uh, keep an eye on that. His, uh, if his uh, uh, agent wants to get market value, he's going to probably go to the market. And, you know, sometimes guys make it back, sometimes they don't. The uh, fine point that Terry Fontenot was talking about was that, hey, you know, some players may not make it back. So he doesn't have the fear of losing guys in free agency that uh, the old administration did. The old administration wanted to lock the guys up. They locked guys up. Uh, uh, at, at good deals, and they try to do it in season at, in October, made for a harmonious locker room. And, uh, you know, you can speak to the pros and cons of locking guys up early and not letting them reach the market. But it sounded like Terry's not afraid of letting these guys go out to the market. Uh, they got a short window. Their families, uh, you know, have the short time to get you know, maybe make this big money. So, you know, they're going to see some people go out to market. And we saw it with Austin Hooper where the Browns just gave him, you know, $40 million. And uh, the Falcons couldn't even uh, make an offer. So uh, that might be the case here with Ulakon. Uh, his agent, Evan Brennan, has been contacted. We hope to hear from him soon. Uh, Falcons uh, wide receiver, Russell Gage is the 97th. Uh, ranked wide receiver, and he's kind of where we have him, a low number two, a uh, number three receiver. Uh, you know, for for um, that's how the uh, folks see him over at PFF also. And they are projecting a four-year, $30 million deal with $15.2 million guaranteed. And uh, that might be a little too rich for the Falcons, uh, but um, that's where he's at. You know, if you can get him a little bit lower than that, three years, 20, do it. Uh, they, they they probably got some money for that. Then uh, this one here, we're only doing five, and Fowler's are gone already. They already cut him. He's not coming back. Uh, but, you know, pass rushers, uh, even if they don't really do it that well, still get a shot. We saw Big, Big Beasley get a shot. And Fowler's going to probably get a shot somewhere, too, um, He's project, projected to receive a one-year $6.5 million deal uh, with $4.5 guaranteed. And big point here, he counts $4.6 million in dead money against the Falcons cap. And lastly, uh, Deron Harmon. You know, I like, you know, you, you don't like to keep old guys around that can't play. Uh, it, but, you know, sometimes they're just good guys, good, good guys in the locker room that can help the young guys out. And Deron spent all last year working with Richie Grant after practice. And if you're going to play Richie Grant next year at strong safety, you need to find a way to bring Deron Harmon back because he's going to make mistakes, and the coaches might not be able to fix him, but Deron Harmon will. And, you know, if something happens, you can spot play him. He's always in position. 
helps in the run game. Uh, never, uh, not not much in the splash play department. It's gonna be where it's supposed to be. Uh, but I would bring him back. He's the 163rd free agent. Uh, could be helpful as a reserve to Richie uh, Grant and Jalen Hawkins on the safety side. He's projected to receive a one-year, $2.5 million uh, deal, $1.5 guaranteed. That's a steal. If you can get a good veteran like that, and he's going to help your defense. Um, you know, those are the five guys uh, that uh, were ranked in PFF. And, you know, they didn't. They left the kickers out. You know, we know that the Falcons have to get Youngway Kusan, Thomas Morstead, and also uh, the long snapper, Josh Harris. So, you know, free agency is approaching. We've heard from general manager Terry Fontenot in his position. Um, Gabe, what are your thoughts on, on the football-style free agency? Y'all knew Gabe used to cover the Braves for the last four years. He's got a Super Bowl. He's got a – I don't call it, they don't call it a Super Bowl ring, a World Series ring. So, uh, Or he's covered a team that's won World Series rings. So we just, you know, talking here in journalism fashion. But free agency and football, what, what have you learned about football versus uh, uh, MLB free agency? Well, it's a lot different with a salary cap. Uh, you know, the only teams in baseball that have to worry about uh, their spending limits are really the uh, the richest teams who are, you know, near the luxury tax and all that. When it comes to teams like the Braves, they have a set amount and they want to leave some for the trade deadline so they can add money. Uh, and then you have some teams, your, your Royals and your Pirates and teams like that that just don't want to spend at all. And that's a large root of why they're not playing baseball or preparing to play baseball games right now. So... Uh, NFL, uh, this free agency uh, in the NFL is going to be really interesting. I think now that we've kind of seen a couple of quarterback moves, uh, somebody is about to talk themselves into Mitch Trubisky for some reason. Uh, <laughs> so so uh, he's going to get a contract that we're probably all going to laugh at. Uh, the receiver class isn't great. I mean, the Falcons are going to be, you know, in the shop. They're going to be looking in the bargain bins for guys anyway, uh, just depth pieces and I think it's really important they keep Patterson uh, for several reasons. And I, I think that, you know, he's obviously someone who's bounced around. And he kind of – he finally found a place that he seemed to really fit. It's near home for him. Uh, it seems like a really good situation for both sides. So it would certainly, you know, behoove them to work something out there. Uh, and we'll see. You know, maybe Gage gets priced out and they end up looking elsewhere. I think that you can find some, you know, just some decent kind of – role players just guys you want to fill you know specific roles uh, at receiver uh they essentially they're not you know some teams are looking at you know oh, okay we need a we need a slot receiver we need a third receiver we need more size we need speed they just they need anything uh with the way like you just read out the receiver i mean they just need they just need anything so uh, maybe they can find some guys to serve some uh, specific roles for them and and honestly like you talk about them talk they say they want to you know building a championship roster and everything well that starts with the trenches and i that's why i just don't think when you're we're talking about a top 10 overall pick i, I can't especially you know there's not a jamar chase in this draft so I, it's hard for me to justify uh when this team can't get after the quarterback and it could certainly use offensive line help it's hard for me to justify taking a receiver there so i'm looking in the trenches and in free agency, uh, again, I think, I mean, they're going to have to add multiple receivers. So you're turning to the draft and free agency for that. And maybe you can find another player like Patterson that just kind of fits. You, you find a role for him and he's cheap and it ends up working out for you. 
Yeah, no question about it, Gabe. Uh, those are great uh, observations for us here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. We got one last uh, segment here. We're going to um, wrap it up for us here. How will they get the money? You know, uh, Jerry Maguire says, show me the money. The Falcons don't have a lot to show. But uh, let's hear from uh, Terry Fontenot on um, how they need to open up some cap space. Yeah, well, well our, the elephant in the room, right? We have some big numbers um, associated with uh, four players, um, particularly our quarterback. We have a big cap number, and uh, all those players with the big cap numbers, it's not their fault. They're just good professionals that come in and do their job, and I want to be clear with that, but it is a, a challenge. It's not a – I wouldn't say it's a, uh, it's a problem. I would say it's a challenge and something we have to work around. So it's important to – make sure we go through the process of, of finding the right ways to open up some cap space and and we have to add players and we have to improve this roster. That's important. And when you're at different points, there are times where um, you'll handle the, the salary cap and handle contracts a different way. Um, some, some teams feel like they're one player away and they're going to make a big splash in free agency and spend a lot of money. We're not at that point. We have to be patient. We have to be patient. Uh, we have to be selective and we have to be cost effective. So uh, where we are with our team, we have to figure out ways, the right ways to create cap space and then make sure we're patient and, and we make uh, we find value. Yeah, he look, he mentioned the four contracts. They're Matt Ryan, 48. Uh, I don't I, I wrote these in the, the story on Sunday. Jake Matthews, 23. Grady, 23-ish. Dion's 20 million. That's where they're getting the money from. They're going to redo some contracts, um, extensions, renegotiations, uh, then you got a couple um, people that are up for salary cap casualties. And uh, Mike Cunningham did his uh, study today, and uh, I'm looking at I'm going to it. He's going at 12.04 today, said trade Grady. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're not ruling anything out with the Falcons. Uh, I brought it up Grady at the Super Bowl, and I said, hey, uh, you know, maybe Grady's not a fit, and he's not, uh, not a defensive end in the 3-4. Uh, and, and, and Todd didn't want to do a, an extension, uh, last time for that long. He wanted to do four years cause he wanted Grady to get another shot at the open market. And so, um, the, you know, if they don't want to do an extension, you know, then, you know, something's got to happen. Deion Jones, maybe he's a little too small in this three, four. Maybe they want to get bigger. Maybe he's a trade partner or, or, or prospect. Or uh, you negotiate his deal down. We saw them negotiate a few deals down last year. Uh, Tyler Davidson, Dante Fowler uh, come to mind. So they're going to get the money to get some people in here. And these are the four contracts they're looking to. And then before we get out of here, Gabe, uh, how does this whole contract restructuring uh, thing uh, hit you? And, uh, you know, the salary cap casualties we see in the NFL. Well, you, I mean, the salary cap, you know, people talk about how it's a myth. It's its not – I mean, eventually, you know, we saw what New Orleans did all those years, pushing money back. We saw Tampa do it last year, so we've seen it done in the NFC South recently. Eventually the bill comes due, um, but with the in the position that they're in, I mean, they, <laughs> they're kind of left with no choice here. I mean, they have to fill out the roster. And, you know, if that means moving on from, you know, Deion Jones at his price, I mean, that's fine. You can – Again, like we're, you're not you're not losing a blue chip player here, and Matt Ryan's the one who's getting all. He's going to be the one that's talked about the most, obviously, and you know, obviously they're getting 
close to the point that they're going to need to get his successor. And if that means, you know, moving on from him in the next couple of years, you know, that's been talked about ad nauseum. But for right now, uh, this is the situation they're in. And quite frankly, when you look at the NFC South, is not the AFC West. It's not the NFC West. Um, they're the only team with quarterback stability right now. Uh <laughs> They have a lot of issues everywhere else, but the fact that they do have a decent quarterback, the fact that they do have a little continuity now, um, you know, I'm not saying that they're positioned to win this thing. I think that the Saints and Bucks have much better rosters, but you at least should have a fighting chance if you handle this offseason well. Uh, so with that in mind, I'm just very curious to see kind of how they handle everything. And again, I think that when it comes to the salary cap, you can afford to keep just about anyone. You can maneuver the cap however much you want but it's just a matter of how much you know you want to pay for it down the line yeah no question about it uh uh when they're doing all this they uh they got a new person in the building to help them out and uh terry fontenose is very familiar with the uh former bears gm ryan pace we're excited about that behind he's a he's a great professional, great man. So now we actually have three former GMs in the, mm-hmm. on the personnel staff mm-hmm. and and all with senior personnel executive titles, and that's important. Mm-hmm. When we're sitting in the February meetings, we have Rustin Webster and Phil Emery. They sit right next to each other, mm-hmm. and between the two of them, it's 60 years mm-hmm. of experience and with seven different organizations. Mm-hmm. That's valuable. Mm-hmm. That's really valuable. So as we're sitting in in draft meetings and going through players, they have a different Rolodex of players. And we have a really good balance on our staff of, mm-hmm. of younger scouts, of, of veteran scouts, mm-hmm. and that's really important when you have people with the right makeup, the right types of people that they're willing to share mm-hmm. all their experiences. Because when you're sitting in the seat, there's a different vantage point that you have. Mm-hmm. So when I can have, when we can have people like that mm-hmm. that have had those experiences, uh, that's really valuable for, for Phil, for Rustin, mm-hmm. and I would add Ryan to one of those guys because they're mm-hmm. humble enough to, to share with their successes and their failures. Yeah, Ryan Pace and uh, Terry worked together for 13 years with the Saints. Pace got a GM job first, went to the Bears, won uh, one NFC North title up there, couldn't get the quarterback situation straight, uh, you know, drafted uh, Mitchell Trubisky, over, uh, we had two Mitchell Trubisky references today, uh, over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, and um, uh, then had to try to clean it up with Justin Fields last year. So, uh, But he's on board, a uh, solid guy. They um, talked to Brad Biggs from the Chicago Tribune about him. They comes highly recommended. And uh, it's good to have guys that, you know, you know, uh, you see it in the NFL. If you work with somebody before and it, it worked, you try to recreate it, and uh, they're trying to create Mickey Loomis North here in Flyery Branch with uh, Ryan Pace and Terry Fontenot. So before we get out of here, I want to thank Gabe for coming by the Bro Tie Chronicles podcast. You'll be hearing him more, I'm sure, in the future. We're gonna, I wanna, I wanna line him up for our post draft uh, uh, shindig for sure, and uh, you know we'll just go from there. But before we close, you know. Hey, a lot's going on today. Aaron Rodgers got a big deal in Green Bay. I got bumped off a of Leroy Butler show. That's fine. Uh, I, uh, they can call me back later. I want to get ready for this. And then uh, Russell Wilson's going to Denver. 
And guess what? The Falcons play at Seattle this year, so they don't have to see Russ and don't have to see if he's going to be cooking out there. It might be Drew Locke at the controls. Uh, fully, you know, kind of think maybe they uh, are going to angle for Deshaun Watson. But uh, Seattle, uh, the Falcons do play out there, so that did affect them uh, in their away schedule as we move forward. So, Gabe, thanks for thanks for coming by the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. We appreciate your insight, and I'm sure the listeners uh, do also. And uh, thanks to everybody who subscribes to the podcast on our various platforms. And thanks to Jay Black for helping to produce us here today. So with that, you all take care and have a great rest of your week. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.